And that was our day beginning with your uh, Friday morning traffic report. The perks of living across the street always has like pops up every once in a while. You know what? Anthony's only traffic is waiting for the crosswalk at the red light. Just one. <laughs> Thanks, Isaiah, for that. We'll talk to you in just a little bit. Right now, we're going to welcome in our next love guest for our top story this morning. We've got John Kingston here. It's the first Friday of the month, which means that it is time to talk employment numbers. John, how have we fared throughout the summer? Good, bad, or somewhere in between? Well, for the first time really since the start of the pandemic, we've had two consecutive months of decline in the truck transportation, the number of truck transportation jobs in the BLS report. Uh, after revisions, we were down 2,900 jobs in July compared to June. We were down 2,000 jobs in June compared to May. I think the more interesting figure is that when I, when I did the spreadsheet and downloaded them all for like the last six or seven years, more, actually more like the last 10 years, we now have fewer jobs in the truck transportation sector than we had last October. So, you know, we've had months that were up. We've had more months that were up than were down, but we had a big downward revision, not a revision, but a big, big downward move in February. And then we had these, these uh, declines in June and July. The increases have all been kind of small. And the end result for this is that we are actually just kind of treading water. There are a few people listed, fewer people listed uh, as working in the truck transportation sector now than there were last October. It's really pretty pretty stunning when you when you look over the sweep of how many jobs uh, we've been adding to have that kind of a stretch of essentially flat employment. Um, even when everybody says, well, you know, there's a lot of people parking their, their independently owned trucks, uh, their independent owner operators are becoming uh, fleet drivers that would show up in the jobs. And yet still, you know, we're down over the last uh, nine to 10 months. And John, we're looking at the employment situation, of course, we're going to have to hone in on some of those transportation roles, but also the overall macroeconomy, because that's going to be one of the areas that feeds into freight overall. We're looking at the overall report. What was the outcome here? Well, the, the projection was 200,000 new jobs and came in at 187, which is you know, pretty accurate. Um, and I think that's probably like a perfect number. It shows job growth. The rate of unemployment declined, I think, a tenth of a point from what I've read. And, you know, it really kind of shows uh, the, the possibility of continuing to add jobs. And if it's at that relatively moderate number, as opposed to some of these, you know, 300,000 job uh, bonanzas that we've had earlier this year, it kind of suggests that we might not have, you know, wage-driven inflation, that we're able to add jobs without necessarily having to pay uh, a lot of money to, to, to get those people to work. So I don't know. I think you're coming in at 187 uh, when you projected 200 is like almost like a, a perfect outcome. I think that it's interesting that we talk about wage-driven inflation like that because there's been kind of this overall sentiment, I think, with the job seekers that a lot of em potential employees now have this understanding of their worth. And for a while, they weren't willing to settle. So we did see employers having to either come up to the table with higher offers and wages or maybe better benefits. But now we're getting to a point where people can't afford to be picky anymore. They have to maybe settle for some lower wages or they have to settle for some of these offers that they're being given, right? Are we kind of maybe finding that balancing point, not even necessarily just in the trucking space, but kind of that overall macroeconomic sentiment where people now are hurting when it comes to their actual economics, their actual finances. And so they're just going to have to kind of take what's given to them. Well, I think with the un unemployment rate of 3.5, 3.6, you're still looking at a situation where I think you would think that potential job candidates are in not in every single field, but are in the driver's seat. They still got a lot of leverage there. Um, you know, for I know there's been a lot of data out recently about the number of available jobs declining. Uh, that could be possible. But right now, 
uh, you're just not really seeing anything that in, in, that suggests that the uh, the workers or potential workers have lost a lot of their leverage. Now that doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't uh, go for every industry. I, I found one of the more interesting statements I heard on the earnings calls I've been listening to. I think it was on the SIA call, but one of the executives said they've started paying bonuses again to recruit people. First of all, I was kind of surprised that it had stopped. I thought that was kind of a standard that, you know, you're always looking for drivers, so you always have to pay bonuses. Uh, the Psy executives said they had resumed paying bonuses to recruit drivers. And then I guess uh, having been kind of surprised that they had stopped, I wouldn't have thought the market was such that they were going to have to resume it at a time like now. So uh, to me, the fact that they are resuming bonuses uh, shows that they must have their, their pulse on a market where it's still kind of tough to get drivers. Now, let's point out here that the survey of uh, for the unemployment survey is usually done by, I think, the ninth or 10th of the month. Check me on that, Anthony, if that's not correct, uh, which means that any impact from a whole bunch of yellow drivers being let go would not be in this report. So uh, maybe uh, maybe you're not going to have to pay bonuses to get those people because they certainly do need a job. Um, but I just found that SIA statement really that, that SIA executive statement really interesting. I would not have anticipated that. Definitely an interesting move here by SIA, and it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the market potentially reacts when looking at bonuses and payouts overall. One of the things that you mentioned, of course, is that wage inflation and different aspects that go into it. And one of the big ones that we've been seeing around inflation has been around energy, and we're starting to see that start to creep back up. John, what's going to be some of the latest energy numbers that we've seen so far, and what are going to be some of your expectations going into the next week? Well, I don't know that you say it creep back up. I mean, it certainly crept back up on the retail level. Uh, I mean, I would have said that, except that the uh, the DOE number was up 20 cents last week. Uh, this has been, uh, I think, a, it's left a lot of people in shock. It really has. Uh, there's been no news. It's not like we got hit with a hurricane or major refinery outages. Uh, but what we do have is the fact that OPEC Plus announced cutbacks in its output in early April. The Saudis followed with an additional million barrel a day cut. They were on, they were in the OPEC plus cut, and then they cut further. Um, they announced that, I guess, at the start of June. And I think you're starting to see those cuts really, really impact the market. Uh, the weekly Department of Energy statistics showed the draw in crude, domestic crude stocks was something like 11 million barrels. That was the highest ever in the history of the, uh, the history of the series. So, um, you put that all together and you suddenly got a tighter market where the OPEC plus group has really kind of stuck to its guns. I'm going to be interested to see the S&P Global Commodity Insights uh, estimate of OPEC production, OPEC and OPEC plus production, which will come out next week. There have been other reports out. Maybe it's because I used to work there, but I like that report. I know it's very thorough uh, to see how far it's, uh, it's it came down in uh, July relative to June. Came down a lot in May relative to April, was kind of flat in June. And then let's see what happened between June and July. But you really have a significantly tighter market. On the other hand, uh, diesel inventories remain very tight. Uh, the gasoline market has been really strong, and refineries have been shifting their had been shifting their production over to gasoline and away from diesel because the margins on gasoline were so good. But I think that the margins on diesel are getting so incredibly strong that that'll probably start to shift back, which could help build the inventories. But you know, look, it, it's August. Harvest season is right around the corner. Winter's right after that. You're, you're at an inventory level that you probably don't want to be at in the U.S. and probably you know by, by extension the world at this time on the calendar. You'd really want to see more in inventory. That's very concerning.
It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. John, thank you for joining us this morning. Of course, we've got an episode of Drilling Deep popping up this afternoon. What can we expect there? There actually is no episode, new episode of Drilling Deep this afternoon. Go back and watch. Uh, go back and watch last week's. It's still very good. We'll definitely be tuning into last week's. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll be sure to check in that last episode and check in again with you next week. Right now, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more for this now.